So the Old Testament lesson for this Monday, Thursday service is from the book of Exodus, the 12th chapter. And here we have the instructions from the Lord regarding the first Passover that the Israelites were to observe while they were slaves in Egypt. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to to what each can eat, you shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old, You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall come, or they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover." For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from the book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter. The Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise out of respect for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the 22nd chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then came the day of the unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb was to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. And they said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? And Jesus said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it, just as he told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text that I've selected for this evening's message as we continue the Lenten theme of Lent being a time of renewal is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 16 and 17 as it speaks to the renewal of Christian unity. So I read these words to you from St. Paul. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And the bread that we break... Is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. This is our text. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, dear friends in Him. I read of a family that has an interesting New Year's Eve ritual They take the calendar down off of the wall and they gather around the fireplace and one page at a time they remember the events of the past year. The page for January is torn off first and they recall the memories of birthday parties or some other joyous occasion or some family event. And after a laugh or a remember that, the January calendar, that page, is laid into the flames. This is done 11 more times until December's page is placed in the fire. And with this done, they put a new calendar for the coming year on the wall, a sign of a new beginning. As they remember and share, not all of their memories are pleasant. They recall times when they caused each other anger and misunderstanding, and hurt, and pain, and worry, and fear, and sorrow. 
but they also recall the faithfulness of God as he provided for them day by day. And most importantly, they remember the forgiveness of Christ. In fact, an important part of the ritual is for each member of the family to speak words of forgiveness to one another and to receive that forgiveness spoken to them. Much healing and new beginnings take place during that annual ritual. Every time that we come to the Lord's Supper, it's like the Lord is ripping a page off of the calendar, the calendar of our life, with all of its anger, with all of its misunderstandings, with all of its hurt and pain and worry and fear and sorrow. And it's like he throws them into the fire as he assures us that he forgives us for our sins against him. As the psalmist says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. That's the forgiveness of which we're assured in the Holy Eucharist. Did you notice a word in our sermon text that appears twice? The word is participation. Listen to that text again. St. Paul writes, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Our Lord invites us to come to the Lord's Supper to participate. To participate in the complete and total forgiveness of our God. Holy Communion is not a dead ritual. It's not a lifeless doctrine, but a dynamic drama. Oh, I know that the repetition of the communion liturgy can become so familiar to us that it can become monotonous. It can become boring. It can even become lifeless. And quite frankly, that's our problem. That's not God's problem. Because if we stop and contemplate what is happening as we pray the communion liturgy, we will see the observance of the new Passover meal in a very different light. It's stirring. It has a cast of characters, the Lord and humanity. The script for the drama is the Holy Bible. The plot is almost melodramatic. It is the rescue of depraved, sinful people through an incredible plan devised by God himself involving his son, Jesus Christ. And this drama... This story of salvation is told every single time that we observe Holy Communion. As we pray the communion liturgy, we take our seat in the upper room with Jesus and his disciples. And we see the broad sweep of the dramatic events of salvation pass before our eyes as, as we remember the Lord's death until he comes again. As we hear our Lord say, take and eat, take and drink, this is my body and blood given and shed for you, for the forgiveness of your sins, we are caught up in a gripping plot of Christ's rescue of fallen humanity at Golgotha. We participate in the wondrous love that God has for, for us as evident in the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, slain for your sins and mine.
This bread, Jesus says, is my body, and it's given for you. This wine, Jesus says, is my blood, and it is shed for you. There is a mysterious, miraculous communion, a coming together taking place. The simple, common, earthly element of bread is Christ's body. The simple, common beverage of the day, wine, is the blood of Christ. And we dare not rationalize Jesus' miracle away into some symbolic and representative reading of the text. We dare not treat this sacred moment frivolously. No, here in this very moment, our Savior comes to us and he forges a union with us as he feeds us with his own crucified and resurrected body and blood. Jesus, the Son of God, literally communes internally with us. Who can comprehend such a divine mystery? I mean, if you're in search of a miracle today, and many people are, well, here it is, right there on the altar as we celebrate the Lord's Supper later this evening. If you're in search of knowing for certain that God loves you and forgives you of all of your sins, then come to the table and receive the miracle of our Lord. As you commune at the Lord's table, do you approach the table of the Lord saying, I come, O Savior, to thy table. Weak and weary is my soul. Thou bread of life alone art able to satisfy and make me whole. Lord, may thy body and thy blood be for my soul the highest good. You find yourself praying such a prayer? You find yourself praying, Lord, I empty myself of myself. Please fill me with yourself. One of the saddest, most uninformed views of the sacrament of the altar is from the person who says, I don't go to the Lord's Supper unless I've been improving my spiritual life. Until I've cleaned up my life, I don't think I am worthy to go to the Lord's Supper. Frankly, because of our sin, none of us deserve the privilege of dining with the Lord at Holy Communion. Our worthiness to be present at the Lord's table comes when Christ himself invites, Come unto me, all you who are weak and weary in soul. And I will give you rest. And he gives us that promised rest as we eat his body, the bread of life, and as we drink his life-giving blood. Now this is not to deny that there's an unworthy way of participating in the Lord's Supper. It is not a meal that is for everyone. When the Bible speaks of unworthy eating in reference to the Lord's Supper, it's referring to people who do not believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. It refers to people who are unrepentant for their sin. It refers to people who deny the real presence of of Christ's body and blood in the Supper. 
And it refers to people who have no serious intention of amending their sinful life. Such people are not invited to the Lord's table. The Lord's Supper is for the person who confesses, God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. It's for the person who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world, their Savior. It's for the person who trusts Jesus' words and believes that they are receiving the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of, the sin, of their sins. It's for the person who wrestles and who struggles and who falls into temptation because their flesh is weak even as they strive to live for the Lord. This meal is for spiritually sick people who know that they're spiritually sick. And that means this meal is for you and this meal is for me. And to such people our Lord invites, come, come, come dine with me for I've prepared a banquet feast of forgiveness for you and I'm the entree. St. Paul continues in our text, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. While the Lord's Supper is in one way very personal in nature, it is also a communal meal. When we are baptized, we are received into the one holy Christian and apostolic church. St. Paul writes, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all who is over all and through all and in all. We are not solo Christians. We need one another. We rely upon one another. We draw strength and encouragement from one another. Alone, we are prone to stumble and fall and eventually spiritually decompose. But united in Christ, we stand strong and together we storm the gates of hell, empowered and renewed spiritually by the Holy Spirit to give honor and praise and glory to our Lord as we live according to his will. And so, fellow baptized member of St. James Lutheran Church, Are we united? Are we united in our Christian confession? Are we united in our fervent love toward one another? Are we committed to one another and united in the work that we share as a community of believers? Our Lord strengthens our unity, our participation in life together as we come to the Lord's table. The Lord invites us to partake of the same body and blood of Christ. And as we do so, we receive power to be a family of believers who confess Christ, unified in doctrine and practice. We are brought together to support one another in loving service and prayer, standing firm together against temptation and waging war against the various manifestations of evil in this world and together proclaiming Christ as the answer to the world's problems. 
But there's one more thing that needs to be said about the communal nature of Holy Communion. Not only do we share a oneness with those that we commune with tonight around this altar, but there's also a mystical fellowship with all of those who have died in the Lord. As we gather around this altar, the saints of heaven gather around the throne and the altar of our Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. And as the saints of heaven participate in the banquet feast in heaven, we participate in a Eucharistic feast here on earth, which is a foretaste of the banquet that we will have when we arrive in heaven, so to speak. The Lord's Supper is a holy communion. It's a holy coming together of the triumphant church of heaven with the militant church on earth, that's you and me, and with angels and archangels and with all the saints of heaven, we laud and we magnify the glorious name of our Lord. And we join our voices with our sainted grandparents and our sainted parents and our sainted spouse and our sainted brother and sister and our sainted child and our sainted friend and our sainted former church members and with all of those others who have died in Christ. And with united voice, we sing as one, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So come. Come feast at the banquet table prepared for you and me by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Come and receive the body and blood of Jesus, the Passover lamb who was slain for the forgiveness of our sins. Come and dine with your brothers and sisters in Christ, those on earth and those in heaven who are united in one confession singing, Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be the people of God. That's who we are, by God's grace in Christ, the people of God. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.